my phone makes a little noise. Some things I haven't figured out how to turn off. You ever realize you need to learn some more things? <laughs> so, Emma. Uh, amen. <laughs> John chapter 21 and verse 7. And this, let me read a portion of the verse of Scripture because it's really what the Lord laid on our heart. It is the Lord. It is the Lord. And I would like to preach on the thought of a message from those words from the Apostle John. Unmistakably, Jesus. Unmistakably, Jesus. This man walked into a store and, and, and he said, Hey, he said, I am hungry. Could I have a large sweet tea and an, an order of fried chicken? And the man behind the counter looked at him and says, Sir, you are unmistakably from Florida. And the man from Florida said, You mean to tell me because I ordered sweet tea and fried chicken that you know that I'm from Florida? He said, I'm a little bit offended. So if I came in here and ordered linguine and lasagna, would you say I'm unmistakably from New York? And the man behind the counter said, I, I don't know. It never really happened just like that. He said, well, if I ordered clam chowder when I came in here, would you say I'm unmistakably from New England? And the man behind the counter said, I, it's never really happened like that. So he said, well, if I ordered avocado toast, would you say I'm unmistakably from California? And the man behind the counter said, I, sir, I, I don't know. I never really happened like that. And so the man said, well, how come because I came in here and ordered sweet tea and fried chicken, you say I'm unmistakably from Florida? The man said, because this is a hardware store. <laughs> Identifying marks. So preacher, that was mean. I know, but have you ever read something in the news and it says Florida man? Now, you know that there's going to be something about a gator in a house or a pool or someone doing some death-defying feat. So we Floridians, we have our name cut out for us, all right? And if I ever read about you in that, I promise I won't show it over the pulpit, right? <laughs> Identifying marks. It's interesting that John said that it is the Lord. Now, Jesus had appeared to them, but he was far off onto the shore. They knew not the Bible said that it was Jesus, and yet... There was something that happened that John, being in that boat, being far away to where they couldn't recognize his features, said, it is unmistakably Jesus. And so I'd like to look at three character traits of Jesus Christ that led John and that can lead us to unmistakably recognize Jesus. They're identifying marks. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, we see three things. I was listening to a podcast and uh, they said, what are the top three things that a pastor should do? And I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to this. I'm a pastor. <laughs> and so I don't remember what they said on the podcast, okay? But I began to, to, to think about what the word of God said. And this is a scripture that touched my heart. It says in Matthew 9 and 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, and so three things that Jesus did, they knew it was him. And Jesus always does these things. Teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So we find 
that Jesus was known for doing three things. So I thought, well, the top three things of a pastor ought to be preaching, teaching, and doing what? Showing the very power of God, healing. And so I thought, wow, Jesus kind of manifests those three things in this scripture in John chapter 21. But you know that we all have identifying marks. You know, maybe for some of us, it's a particular feature on our face. Growing up, I have a, a, uh, an abundant nose. And so people would tease me in school and say, how's the coffee in Brazil or something like that, even though I lived in Africa. But when people see us, we have certain things that identify us, whether by our actions or whether by the way we look. They're unmistakable traits. Years ago, there was a, a, a king that was an idolater named Ahaziah. And he inquired of this, this god called Ekron, who was a, uh, a Beelzebub, who is the god of Ekron, the lord of the flies, about whether he should recover from his sickness. And people say, well, preacher, that's, that's so crazy. But people consult palm readers. People consult their uh, sign in the paper. So they still do this today. People call some spiritual advisor, but uh, these messengers went from the king and this man named Elijah met them. And he said, hey, go back and tell the king that uh, you're not going to recover because you required you required the wrong God. And so the man, two messengers, that they went back to the king and the king said, hey, what manner of man was he that came up to meet you and told you these words? And they answered him, he was an hairy man and girt with a, le- a girdle of leather about his loins. You know what the king said? It's Elijah the Tishbite. He knew that there was some unmistakable, he knew the prophecy, but when he saw the garments that he was wearing, he's like, that's Elijah. And he knew because there were unmistakable, unmistakable marks. And I believe that Jesus has unmistakable marks. And when he comes by our life, whether we see him with our eyes, we can say, that's Jesus. Have you ever, have you ever done something and I, 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 or, or been in a situation? I know as a Christian, I've, I've been in situations and it seems like God just comes into the mix and you're like, that's God. You know, that so many things seem like they're going crazy. And here comes Jesus right in the middle, just like those three Hebrew men that were thrown into the fire. But there was a fourth man. And that fourth man was walking with them in the fire. And the Bible said he had the form like the Son of God. You know, that that's God. And someone said in a song, where is he now? He's still in the fire and he's walking in the flame. If you're going through something, Jesus is there with us. The Bible said he was prophesied in the Old Testament. A name in the Old Testament of Jesus was Emmanuel. What does that mean? It means God with us. God's on our side. Have you ever doubted that God, don't have to raise your hand. You ever doubted that God was on your side because you're going through? So God, are you on our side? He's with us. Emmanuel means he's on our side. You know, let me tell you this morning, I don't know how you're feeling or what you're going through, but let me tell you, there's good news. God is with us. He's on our team. And I'm thankful that we can trust him. It's unmistakably Jesus. So the first thing, he found us. He found us. One of the unmistakable marks of Jesus Christ is that 
You know, have you ever heard someone say, I found God? Well, let me tell you, God's not lost, okay? God's not on a milk carton, okay? God found us. Even in the, in the Garden of Eden, and this kind of sort of like preaching because, you see, these, uh, these, these uh, fishermen were not just fishermen, but they were apostles. And Jesus had told them to go and spread the word of God and evangelize. He had risen from the dead. He had commissioned them. He said, you're not going to catch fish anymore. You're going to fish for men. He said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men of their very souls. And so after Jesus had risen from the dead, the Bible said that Simon Peter, who was a great salesman too, right? He was a commercial fisherman or formerly. He said, I'm going fishing. And the Bible said that uh, he convinced Thomas and Nathanael and James and John. And the Bible records two other disciples to go fishing with him. He's like, he was a convincing man. So the Bible said, uh, they, now they weren't going to baptize worms and talk about life. Okay, They were going to make some money. It was a side job. That's what we call it in the construction trade, right? You work your day job. This was the night job at, at the side job. I want to make some extra money. Now, making money is not wrong. Thank God for it. But they were supposed to be doing something else. So when the Bible says that night they caught nothing. And in the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore and the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. You see, Jesus, first of all, he comes and finds us maybe when we're a little bit lost. Even in the, in the book of Genesis, the Bible said that Adam... After he had eaten of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then it says in Genesis chapter 3 in verse 8, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, he wasn't just talking to Adam, but he was walking. They could hear his footsteps. And the Bible says, I know because I, I hear my daughter's footsteps and my wife's footsteps coming up to the front door, and I can tell the difference. And so what do you do? I usually try to hide from my daughter and scare her because it's just gratifying to do that. She crumbles to the ground and screams, which is not a good way. If someone scares you, you should run, right? But she just goes, ah, and just crumbles down to the ground. But I know her footsteps. And the Bible says, though, that, that God began to walk in the garden. Why? Because he was looking for his creation. You know that God loves us. And he, that voice was there. And he said, Adam. He said, where art thou? You know that preaching when God chose the preaching of the word. And when you get around Jesus, you're going to get around some preaching. And whether it's a, a track that you pick up on the side of the road, it can really preach to you. Or whether it's someone, a man or a woman breaking open the word of God. Or whether it's just you reading the word of God. Have you ever read the word of God? And you're like, man, that just preached to me. And it said that, that, that uh, authoritative word of God speaking to your heart. The Bible said that this voice called from the shore children have you any meat just like God would preach and really it thundered down in their soul and they answered to him it didn't say that one man answered but they all answered no and it, that's really not something that a fisherman would want to say we didn't catch any fish but they had to admit that they didn't have anything and I'm thankful though when God comes to us and we he says 
Hey, do you have the righteousness you need to make it to heaven? And we can say no. You know that I'm thankful that when God begins to speak to us, though, He does not leave us comfortless. That God not only preaches to us, but He comes to us and He speaks to us when we are in need with a solution. You know what the Bible, it's, it says here that uh, this man wrote about God. If God had perceived our greatest need was economic... He would have sent us an economist. If God perceived our greatest need was entertainment, He would have sent us a comedian or maybe an artist, a musician. If God had perceived our greatest need was political stability, He would have sent us a politician. If He had perceived our greatest need was health, thank God for health, He would have sent us a doctor. But He perceived that our greatest need involves sin. It involved our alienation from God. You see, God can't fellowship with sin. So the Bible, or the account says, and truly the Bible said, He sent us a Savior. You see, these men were tired and they had spent all of this extra effort trying to do things their own way and hadn't found any satisfaction. And that's when Jesus got their attention. You know, when I was a young man, that's when Jesus got my attention. I had joined the Marine Corps and uh, I had tried to do things my own way. And I was trying to be a good sinner. You know, not to go kind of overboard, but trying to do things that uh, a responsible sinning adult would do. And one of the things that it did is it left me empty and it left me looking for something kind of you, you work all night, you're stinky and you have nothing to show for it. And then some folks invited me to church and I thought, man, maybe I'll just go. It's enough time. I haven't been in the house of God. And the man of God, don't remember one word he said, began to preach about Jesus. And my heart began to be opened up. I realized I was like them. Do I have what I need? No. But it's unmistakably Jesus that God begins to speak to us right when we need him. You know that a lot of times, don't realize this, but God gets you right when you're ready. And not until then. It just goes over your head. Little kids, you tell them stuff. And they're like, Haha, whatever. You ever have a little kid at home and you tell them like three things? that they're supposed to do and you raise your voice in increments and they still don't do it. And you know they have ears because you say like this, like I tell my daughter, you want to watch a video? Yes! I mean, she can, you know, from the other side of the room. They've got these ears, but the other stuff just goes over our head. You know, but there's a time that comes that we're ready to get something from God. Brethren, I always want to be like that. I want to have a heart that's open to receive what God wants for my life. The Bible said that he began to preach with authority. Do you have anything? Now, this wasn't something that John understood until he found the last thing. And the last thing is what seals Jesus. But the second thing, they said, no. Well, what else does Jesus do? He preaches. Man, I love preaching. You know, I love to hear an old-fashioned sermon. And what, what I mean by old-fashioned, it involves God. It involves deliverance from sin. I'm, I know I love feel-good sermons too because God does make you feel good. But he has to take out what's hurting us. And that is sin in our lives for us to enjoy the blessings of God. So I like to hear that because you know what? It's just like, man, that's right. Have you ever said something? You hear someone preaching and you go, that's right. You know, my wife and I have, we're both, uh, we both have the letter A. We're both alpha personalities, which means 
we like to have things our way. So, uh, and one of the things when you have a disagreement, what do you say? I'm right, right? And I told my wife I heard this thing some time ago, and I said, you know what? When, when, when we prove a point, we really shouldn't try to say I'm right and you're wrong. We should try to put it on the side and say, well, it's right. You know, the gospel's right, not because the preacher said it's right, because, but it's right. Because God is God, and God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him, in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It's right. It's not for a Christian to go around saying, I'm right, I told you so, but that God loves you so much, and God can deliver anybody. He can deliver whosoever cometh to him from the uttermost to the one person said, to the guttermost. God can deliver us all. And that's what preaching's all about. It's to get our attention. And you know, someone says, well, why, do you, why are you so loud, preacher? Because I have to preach above all the other things going through your mind. You, you know, a lot of people, they come to church, but then they're worrying about something or they're wondering how they're going to uh, uh, pay this bill out. Let me tell you, let me tell you, I, I, I face things just like you do and God makes it so. God makes it so. I get to go through the message before I preach it. And let me tell you, ain't no fun. But you know what God's showing me? He's showing me that I can begin to trust in the same God as I'm telling other people to trust in. And let me tell you, how long has it been, Sister Bigelow? We've been serving God for a lot of years. And you know what? God's faithful. And say, so if you face anything, I've faced a bunch of stuff. But let me tell you, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not going to stay there. I might have to walk through there, but man, thou art with me. That you can trust that Jesus is going to go with me. How's it going to work out? Let me tell you, I don't know. But I know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them that are the called of, of, of to them that are the called of Him. We thankful, they're thankful that we love Him. He calls us. We serve Him. It works out. Yeah. It works out. Say, preacher, but my car, well, it's going to break down. So is mine. <laughs> if it ain't broken down, it's going to, but my body's going to break down. Been there, done that. Recent trip, right? But we're thankful that God is so faithful that you can have this confidence when it doesn't make any sense. We can trust in Jesus because his word says so. That's the preaching. And then he directed us. God's not here to just shout at us. This one lady came to church. She said, are you a screamer? Before I come, I want you to know, are you a screamer? I said, I said, ma'am, I lift up my voice. That's what preaching means, to lift up your voice. And uh, he said, I went to another one of your New Testament Christian churches, and the guy was a screamer. So I said, well. So she came, and she became one of the most faithful church members that we had. Her name is Melissa Johnson, and, and it was a real blessing. So, but you know what? Good question. So I'm not trying to scream at anybody. I lift up my voice. So praise God. The next thing Jesus did is he taught. The Bible says that he directs us. It's unmistakably Jesus. He doesn't just, we don't hear the preaching of God's word, but God gives, God gives you a teacher when you walk out that door. He'll direct your steps. The Bible said the steps of a good man and the steps of a good woman, they're ordered by the Lord. I really believe that. I, I really believe that uh, there was a woman that was told in the Old Testament to flee into a different country because of a drought into Egypt. And so uh, she came back to uh, Israel and she wanted to get her real estate back, right? She wanted to get her land back. 
And so the steps of a good woman, and just as she was walking into the king's court, there was a man named Gehazi there, and he said, well, tell me about these miracles. Tell me about these miracles that Elijah did, or Elisha did. And he said, well, hey, uh, he, uh, he uh, raised this woman's son from the dead. And then she walked right into the court, and she goes, hey, that's the lady right there. What was she doing? She was led by the Lord just at the right time. And the king said, restore all that was hers. You know that God orders our steps and God will lead us in the right way. Notice what he said. He said, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. You know that I'm thanks God always has a solution for us. The Bible said they cast therefore. You know that on a ship, The right side is always when you face forward on your right, okay? It's called the starboard side. If you face to the rear, now the right of the ship is on your left because it's always called the starboard side. The other side is called, the left is called the port side. And although you might turn in different directions, The right side never changes. Isn't that like life? Whatever way that you tumble upside down or around or different way, there's still a right way to do things. It doesn't matter what country you're in or what time zone you're in. Jesus is still right. It doesn't matter what language or what time. Right is right. I remember when I went to something called the Hilo Dunker. Did you ever go to the Hilo Dunker? No. No. No, see, I'm looking to see if anyone else might have faced this experience. So it trains you to go be in a helicopter crash, okay? So we went to a place called El Toro, California, got into this, looks like a chassis of a big helicopter, like the middle of a school bus. And you get in there and they they lift you up over this big pool and then they drop you in and the thing like turns upside down and sinks. Fun, right? Do you have air tanks? No, you have your lungs, right? And so I said, preacher, but if you're upside down, and which side do you turn? And they give you blackout goggles so you can't see where you are. How do you get out of there? Well, before you crash. (laughs) And brethren, this is so important with us. Before we crash, we have to see where the exit is. See, there are windows and there are little, little, little round things and doorways. That, and I think we went through a window. And there are these, these uh, looks kind of like this, but there are like a, like a rail running alongside the helicopter. So what you do when you crash is you grab a hold of that rail, the rail that will lead you to the window. And whether you turn upside down or whether you're half turned upside down, When that helicopter stops moving, you have one hand on the rail and one hand on your seatbelt. You don't take off your seatbelt till you stop moving, okay? And as soon as the helicopter stops moving, you click that seatbelt off. And in the confusion, in being upside down, you can still pull yourself to that rail, from that rail, all the way to the window because the direction doesn't change. Even if it's upside down, the rail will still get you to freedom. And what Jesus said was, cast it on the right side. And you know, there's a promise. If we cast it God's way, we're going to find. The Bible says that with authority, you know that a lot of times it's not that man cannot, it's that he will not. But you know that I'm thankful that when we do it God's way, God's way, you can say, 
Not that he's right. We say he's all right. But you know what? That's right. That's right. That's the right way to do it. I don't want to teach my daughter. Well, that's what we do at church. No, because... That's right. That's what the Word of God says. And I'm thankful that, you know, she's got a a big double dose of it. But I want her to carry it out into the world in her heart that Jesus, it's right. He's a teacher. You know that the greatest lessons you'll learn sometimes are when you're flat on your back. Why? Because your ears are open. (laughs) You ever gone through something? My ears are open. Okay, God, I'm listening now. Don't have any fish in my boat. Well, not only is he a... He's not only is he a preacher and a, and a teacher, but the thing that really made the Apostle John say, that's the Lord, is what we all really need in our lives. The Bible says that they cast, therefore, in John chapter 21, and the Bible said they were not able to draw the net for the multitude of fishes. That I believe that the real power of Jesus Christ, the unmistakable fingerprint of God, is that God delivers us, that God delivers from sin. God delivers us from heartache. God delivers us from being depressed. God delivers us from financial ruin. God is a delivering God. The third part of Jesus' ministry is that he was a healer. He delivered people from physical maladies. Well, that was to show that God had power Behind his word, God still heals cancer. God still does. I was reading about a man, he was in, I think, the Air Force, and he was diagnosed with cancer. So they discharged him. They, they sent him back from, I think, Germany. True story. Uh, to the States. And they had to take all his paperwork with him, you know, with this cancer diagnosis. And uh, uh, he asked this chaplain, he found this chaplain, and he said... Uh, I want you to anoint me with oil. I saw this in the Bible. I think it's in the book of James. He said, and pray that I be healed. And the chaplain, now if you've ever been in the military, the chaplain's like, well, you don't really do that. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, it says it right here in the Bible. I want you to do it. Do you do that? Man, I got oil down here somewhere. I sure do. There it is. What kind of oil? It says oil. They typically used olive oil. Okay, not Popeye's girlfriend, but just oil that comes from olives. Right? And so the chaplain did. He anointed the man with oil and prayed. (laughs) And the man went back to the States and got tested again. And there was no cancer. And they said, no, no, that's not right. You know what they did? Tested him again. You know what happened? What they found out? No cancer. And the man that was preaching the message said, glory. What was he saying? That's God. You know, God not only heals sin, but the same power to heal sin can heal cancer. It can heal relationships. It can overflow us with blessings. Isn't it God that said, uh, if you bring all the tithes into the storehouse, he said, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven. And he said, I'm going to pour you out a blessing that you don't even have a net big enough, that you don't even have a room to receive it. It said they couldn't even draw it in. That's God. That's God. That's what John, I can imagine him standing up and say, that's Jesus. There's too much bread and fish for the multitude. They ate as much as they wanted. There was still more left over. That's Jesus. Jesus not only seeks and saves us, but then God sits us down and blesses us. He healed us. 
You know, when you become a Christian, you become to say, that's God. And the Bible said that there's a recording of the catch of fish from 2,000 years ago. Did you know there's a tally of the fish? 153, 153, and it said they were great fishes. So they were big. So a preacher wasn't to boast, but these things could be sold at the marketplace. Have you ever bought a, a fish? You know how expensive fish is? It almost rivals steak around here. I don't know what kind of fish it was. But you can imagine thousands and thousands of dollars just like that. And you know that I'm thankful that, you know, that God might not dump the thousands of dollars into your lap, but you know he can make a bill evaporate. He can give someone, he can give you favor with someone at a business. And it's the same thing. He can give you favor at a, uh, a mechanic, uh, getting your car fixed. Say, preacher, no, you can't. Yes, and it's God. My wife comes to the piano. I remember my car, cars ago, okay, broke down. And they were going soul winning. Sister Bigelow and Sister Patterson, and the brakes went out of my car. Woo! Just like she put her feet all the way down. Oh, thanks, sister. And uh, they were right at the Subaru dealership. Well, since I didn't have a Maserati, I had a Subaru. That was great. So we pulled right into the Subaru dealership. We'd already, we were already known there, right? And just literally, because they were going to visit someone out there. And uh, dropped the car off. Got a loaner car. And uh, so now I'm wondering, you know, have you ever had that before you get the bill? Is it the master cylinder? Is it $1,000? Is it $2,000? And they're like, said, well, we'll call you. And so I was praying. I was praying. I had this little path behind where we lived, and I wore the grass out of it. I just walked back and forth, okay? And uh, they didn't really care, I guess, because no one saw it, but it looked like a pathway, but it was just me. So me and Jesus. So I was praying, and I said, God, I pray that it's only $100. And you know the Lord convicted me of that? Because what's $100? It's a diagnostic fee, right? Well, that's probably something that could happen anyway. So that's not real faith. You know, if it's real faith in God, we need God. We need Jesus to make up the difference. So I, I stopped and I said, okay, well, I pray that it doesn't cost me anything. Now that's a prayer of faith. I say, preacher, but what do you have? I have nothing but Jesus. I didn't have anything. Did you have lots of money? No, I had that faith. I had a faith account, but not much of a bank account. Hopefully, still got the faith account because the bank account, you know, anyway. So, they, they, uh, we drove a nice rental car, free, free loaner car for like a week. And uh, it was newer than our car. <laughs> much newer. <laughs> 100,000 less miles or so. Anyway, so. They said, your car's ready, Mr. Bigelow. He called me, and uh, I said, okay. I said, how much? You know, <laughs> is God God? Well, they said, well, we couldn't find anything wrong with it. That doesn't mean anything in a dealership as far as price, okay? Let me tell you from experience. It's not always thus, okay? And I said, well, how much? How much do I owe? And they said, at a dealership, this isn't a mom and pop garage, they said, for the diagnostics, for the loaner car. And I didn't tell them I prayed, they said nothing. You know, I think I still have that bill from 15 years later. 
as a memorial to the faithfulness of God. Because brethren, that's God. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, that's an unmistakable Jesus. Not only will he be preached to us, but he will teach us. The Holy Spirit will guide us. And it's all to a point to bless our lives. Not to take us down, not to tell us something to make us feel bad or unworthy, but to bless our lives. That is what God wants to do. So in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, he said, ask. He said, seek. He should knock. Ask. Ask. When you ask God, you'll get an answer. When you knock, when you receive, he said. When you knock, it shall be open unto you. And when you seek, you'll find. Because God wants to pour out a blessing. And then you can be like, man, that's unmistakably Jesus. And you know what? That's what the world needs to know. So find a place to pray that there is a God that answers prayers of faith today. There is a God that delivers. He's not just a talker. He's not just a teacher. But he has power on earth to forgive sins. And he told the paralytic man, rise, take up that bed and walk. It's easy for Jesus to do any one of the three. But when the power of God comes, you're like, man, that's got to be God. That's got to be Jesus. And that's the Jesus that I'm preaching about today. God, have your way. Let's find a place to pray. You need something from God, ask. Ask in faith. Nothing wavering. Say, God, here I am. And this is what I need. And you know what? God is here to give that you would receive today in this service. And then you can say, man, that's unmistakably Jesus. God knew that I needed that.